I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today. And I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as promised, uh, bringing on one of our uh, favorite uh, contributors to this show, and we uh, we get her back in action today. We're so excited. Kelsey Dallas, who is the national religion reporter and in-depth deputy editor at the Deseret News. She's a graduate of Yale Divinity School, amongst a host of other credentials. Uh, Kelsey, welcome back. Hey, thanks for all your kind words. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, you, you had a great piece, uh, Deseret.com, uh, talking about an important piece of legislation uh, and something that uh, in the midst of everything else going on between pandemics and uh, breaches of the Capitol building last week, transition of power, inauguration, uh, that people have not been super aware of. But, of course, you have been. Uh, it's a bill that could change religious freedom as we know it. Tell us about it. Yes, there's a bill called the Do No Harm Act that's been floating around for a couple of years now but it has renewed life after the election of President Joe Biden. Um, basically, the thought is that we need to reform how religious freedom law is applied in order to address the rise of more controversial cases involving LGBT non-discrimination protections, for example. And so this effort, the Do No Harm Act, would adjust um, sort of the power of current religious freedom protections and maybe leave religious groups a little vulnerable moving forward. All right. So let's go back to kind of the uh, beginning of this. We had the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Mm -hmm. uh, which was passed some time ago. And uh, that was sort of this idea of having a a balancing test, balancing the the rights of religious groups and organizations and individuals uh, and everything else. And uh, uh, this is one of those. I want you to get to this, too, because the naming of the bills is always a big deal. And so there I know there are a lot of people in Washington who are upset about the very name of this Do No Harm Act. So bring us together. Start with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act and then why the need for this Do No Harm. So to understand what's happening now, you really have to go back in time to the early 90s, which was when the Supreme Court issued a pretty controversial ruling that limited how the Constitution's religious freedom protections are applied. It made it just a little bit harder for a faith group or a religious individual to ask for a religious exemption to a general law. And so it maybe left them feeling like they didn't have that many options. And so Congress, along with tons of advocacy groups like the the ACLU, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they joined together to say, let's pass legislation that 
sort of reinstates those strong protections. And so they passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It was almost unanimously passed in Congress, and it, it sort of restored the situation. And now, since that time, groups have been using RIFRA, as it's called, in all sorts of situations to seek legal relief when they're put in a tight spot by some new policy. And what the Do No Harm Act is trying to do is come in and say, hey, wait a minute, isn't RIFRA like a little too powerful in some context? Maybe we need to scale it back because they're sort of upset with how religious freedom has been used in recent years. Oh, and I do think that's so fascinating that that 1993, uh, as you mentioned, it was almost a unanimous passage in Congress. Uh, and everyone came together, a lot of different groups, uh, religious and non-religious, came together yeah. uh, to try to get that balance. And uh, and now we find ourselves with this, uh, with do no harm. Uh, and so does it do no harm or does this create some uh, things that people should be concerned about? Well, as you already mentioned, it definitely depends on who you ask. <laughs> the goal of those who are pushing it is to make sure that religious freedom, that Religious Freedom Restoration Act is not used in a way that harms others. And so right now, for example, if there's a case that puts religious freedom protections in tension with a non-discrimination policy, you can see how you would say, well, that's harming members of the LGBT community for the, the religious group to have an exemption to that law or for a bakery owner to have permission not to serve same-sex couples, for example. And so I, I certainly see where the name of the act comes from. The problem is that those who are still very happy with how the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is applied are saying that the Do No Harm Act is just transferring the harm to others. It hurts religious groups when they don't have an option to seek legal relief when sort of that bakery owner has to choose to totally close down his wedding aspects of his business because he isn't comfortable serving same-sex couples because of his beliefs about what marriage is meant to be. And so it's, it's, it's sort of, in their minds, upsetting to call it the Do No Harm Act, when really it's like, let's just move that harm onto somebody else, and they, they'll be okay. Yeah. So it's really the Who Shall We Harm Act, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, and I think it's part of the, the challenge that I think we have to get to, and, and I think it's something that Utah has done ex- exceptionally well, uh, and that is to recognize that you can balance that, that, you, that these are not uh, – polar opposites, that there are, are places and spaces where we can say, okay, here's here's a good balancing point on that. And uh, so, Kelsey, as you, as you look forward, uh, obviously, once uh, President-elect Joe Biden uh, becomes the president on January the 20th, what do you anticipate in terms of this, uh, this bill moving forward in the new Congress? As I've written in the past, President-elect Joe Biden does have a different approach to religious freedom than President Donald Trump, certainly. He is not as squarely on the side of religious groups, but he is a faithful man himself. He has very strong connections with religious communities. I don't think he'll just take the Do No Harm Act and immediately make it his priority. He's going to take concerns about it very seriously. But in order to sort of figure something out where both sides are happy with a resolution that we might come to in the next four years. It just feels like everyone needs to have a more honest conversation and lay their concerns out on the table because you're not going to totally do away with the harm that we've been talking about. You have to sort of sit there and say, okay, if you're going to take a little bit of the harm here, I'll take a little bit of the harm here and move that balancing test out of RIFRA into sort of dialogue so that we can work through it and find a way forward where everyone maybe has to take on a little bit of pain but is still happy for the most part. Mm. 
Great insight, as always. Uh, you can read that on Deseret.com. We'll put that on our Facebook page today as well. Uh, the bill that could change religious freedom as we know it. Again, it's called Do No Harm Act. Uh, and there is great debate over both the name and the substance. And uh, Kelsey Dallas, uh, who is the national religion reporter and in-depth deputy editor of the Deseret News, uh, will continue to keep us up to date on this uh, really critical issue. Kelsey, thanks for joining us today and welcome back. Thank you, Boyd. Have a great rest of your Monday. All right. Uh, again, Kelsey Dallas, great insight uh, there. Uh, so respected across the country uh, for her expertise and uh, her ability to articulate uh, in a way that really gets you to think. This goes back to where we started this morning, uh, and that is that uh, we, we write uh, not just to tell people things. Yeah, you write to, to learn what you think about things, and we talk uh, in order to understand what we believe and, and what is really important. And I think uh, if you go through and read Kelsey Dallas's piece, she does just that. She lays things out where you can say, okay, I can see that point. I can see that. That's a little hard for me. Or I can, or more importantly, I can see how that's a problem uh, for those that I disagree with on this issue. And we have to get out of the conversations that include them <laughs> and they. Uh, this is about us and we. And we have to reject these ideas that we are always perpetually at polar opposite ends of the spectrum. It's a lie. It's not true. Uh, there's so much that we can have conversations about. So many of these principles that are completely compatible if we're just willing to have the conversation. And we have to get to those conversations in a better way, in a more productive way, in a way that causes us uh, to recognize uh, and to see, as we talked about earlier, uh, to see others deeply and to be deeply seen, as uh, David Brooks often puts it, and and then get to the principles, get to the principles that actually unite us, uh, that can help us solve real issues and move the country forward. And that is what we're going to do in our last segment. We're going to look to history and uh, some lessons that we all need to apply today. They're lessons that are 32 years old, but we're going to apply them right here on January the 11th, 2021. Find out what it is next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.